energy at the One Tree community. And over to you. <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you so much. I just have to make an adjustment because I have a, a sign coming up here on my screen that's saying I'm being live streamed. So I want to get rid of it. Nope, it's not letting, me, not letting me do that. Okay, it'll have to stay. <laughs> so welcome everyone to uh, this today's offering on boundless joy or mudita. And as a way of kind of setting the stage for today's offering, I would like to just offer a brief, very brief guided meditation, just as a way of kind of arriving. Uh, you know, maybe we've had a busy morning or afternoon might be nice just to ring the bell and you know, come into the present moment. So I'll offer just a bit of guiding. This might take five minutes or so, just as a way of settling in. And so the invitation here is really just to arrive into this present moment. And taking a few breaths here to really feel what the body feels like right now in this posture. You might be seated or standing or lying down. Just noticing there is a body. And perhaps noticing the contact points of the body, the feet against the ground, the weight of the body against the cushion or chair or mat or floor. We could continue arriving by taking a nice, long, nourishing, deep breath, just feeling the breath as it enters the nose. And how the body moves with each inhalation and exhalation. Perhaps just doing a quick scan over the body, noticing if there's any obvious tension or stress. And allowing that tension or stress to soften under the, the gentle touch of awareness. And if you wish here, just taking a moment or two to notice any experience that you might feel gratitude towards. You might feel gratitude towards the support that's being offered by the ground or the chair, the cushion. Perhaps a sense of gratitude for having a, a body and a mind for which you can receive teachings from. You might feel gratitude for the safety of the walls around you or the comfort of the clothing. Whatever is there, perhaps the laughter of a friend, the company of a pet. So the invitation then is to breathe that gratitude directly into the heart. And as you exhale, sending that warmth of gratitude out through the abdomen, down the legs, to the feet. And breathing in the warmth of gratitude, that smiling energy of gratitude into the heart. 
And as you exhale, sending out that warmth of gratitude through the shoulders and down the arms to the hands. Breathing gratitude, that smiling energy directly into the heart. And sending out that warmth, that open softness of gratitude through the neck and face. And into the crown of the head. So just resting here for just another breath or two, feeling into this experience of gratitude as much as it is available for you at this present moment. So in the next breath or two, we'll move away from this meditation practice and back into a conversational space. And I'll cue that by ringing the bell three times. Okay, so thank you for joining me in that brief guided meditation. And if you're watching this back on video and you wish to stay in that longer, just rest in that experience of gratitude, press pause now. And you're welcome to stay in that as long as you wish. That can be quite nice sometimes. But for those of us who are here live, I'm going to proceed into today's offering, today's talk on this quality of mudita. Mudita is the Pali word, the Sanskrit word for boundless joy. And boundless joy is actually the, just one of many translations of mudita. It's the one that I happen to prefer. <laughs> so it'll, I'll be using that probably throughout the course. It's very often translated as uh, appreciative joy or sympathetic joy. But for me, boundless joy really covers all of that and a lot more. Uh, so there are many different qualities of joy that can be cultivated. I'll be speaking to some of those as today's offering unfolds. So I'd like to kind of set the table here with this passage from the Buddhist text from the um, Pali Canon. So I'll just read through this. It's really, um, for me, quite deep. Here, a wise one lets her mind pervade one quarter of the world with thoughts of unselfish joy. And so the second. And so the third. And so the fourth. And thus the whole wide world, above, below, around, everywhere and equally, she continues to pervade with a heart of unselfish joy, abundant, grown great, measureless, measureless without hostility or ill will. That's... That's a lot, right? <laughs> it really covers everything, right? And it's really um, pointing that arrow very, very high or setting the bar very, very high. And so very often when, oops, when I, uh, let me see if I can, yeah, here we go. When I offer teachings on this, Uh, you know, people say, wow, that, that just seems like a lot. How do I, how does one do that, right? How do we, you know, it seems kind of overwhelming sometimes, right? Uh, oh, I can't do that. I'll never be able to offer joy through all of the quarters of the world without hostility in the world to everyone, right? So it's the intention that really is so important there. 
that we just set that intention. And then coming back to the present moment and really just practicing towards that intention, moment by moment, day by day, if you're taking up a practice like this. You might meditate on joy or do some of the informal practices on joy, which we'll get to in a moment, uh, that help uh, to cultivate this type of boundless joy. And as Yen and I were saying before we came on, on camera here, drop by drop, the bucket is filled. Right? And so with each practice, each intention, each time we come uh, to this heart-opening practice of joy, we're really shining the light of awareness on the seed of joy that's in the heart. And the more often we shine that, that light of awareness, the more often we water that seed, that sapling begins to grow and lean into the intention of joy like that. <clears throat> so I very often like to speak to that right away because it can seem like a lot, you know, and that's normal. So just to kind of speak to that a little bit as I get to the next slide. Oops. I'm gonna have to get organized with this here. <laughs> um, my teacher, many years ago, I was introduced to the, to the teachings on the Brahma Viharas uh, many, many years ago in 2004. And uh, we were going through with a notebook, you know, writing down the practices, joy, equanimity, compassion, loving kindness, and going through some of the stages that one might practice and how the practices unfold. And I was looking at the notebook pad and it was three months on loving kindness, three months on compassion, three months on equanimity, three months on joy and so forth. And so I looked down, I said, that's a year's worth of practice, you know? And he just smiled and he said, well, that'll get you started. <laughs> and, you know, at the time I felt like, wow, that's really a lot, you know? And now I see the wisdom in that. that and this has been my practice since then. I spent three months on each quality year in, year out, and 17, 18 years now, however long. And they keep bringing fruit and keep getting deeper and deeper into these qualities and more wisdom comes through each time. And that's one of the reasons why they're considered to be the four immeasurable minds. In some of the traditions, they're known as the immeasurable minds that you can keep cultivating these qualities. And while we're speaking about the practices, so very often, you know, a student might you know, particularly if they're studying with me or another uh, Tibetan teacher who offers it in this format, you, you start with, perhaps you start with loving kindness. You do that for three months and then it kind of feels like we're leaving that behind and going on to compassion, right? But actually it, they're, all, they're all four so intimately connected. And so the way I kind of see that is like the Brahma Viharas, the four immeasurable minds, create four sides of a prism. And the light of awareness that we use to practice with emanates from the heart, and from the mind, and we shine that light of awareness through that prism, creating this beautiful rainbow light. And we feel into that quality over and over again for a few months. And then when we're ready, when it feels right to do so, we shift that prism to the next, to joy, for example. When we spend a few months working with joy, it's still the same awareness, still the same light that you're generating, it's still the same prism, you're just holding it in a different way. So you're still gonna feel the qualities of the other Brahma Viharas, but you're just focused primarily on one. They're, you're growing all four at the same time, in other words. So I think that's quite important to recognize because sometimes we, we really like one practice and we can stay, we can end up just staying there, right? And that's good too, that there's some benefit to that. But in order to create this really nice, well-rounded, open-hearted balance, it's really helpful to include all four in a practice. So starting with one, 
going to the other, maybe three months later and so forth. So another kind of note on mudita or joy is that it is one of the Brahma Viharas. The Brahma Vihara is a Pali word, a, a Sanskrit word, which literally translates to the home of the gods or the dwelling of the gods. So it's important, right? If this is one of the homes that the gods dwell in. And I like to bring that up because, you know, very often we can kind of think of joy as kind of something secondary or almost frivolous, right? Oh, yeah, maybe I'll enjoy that movie, maybe not. Maybe I'll enjoy this dinner, you know. But, but to really kind of pay attention to the, the, the cornerstone that this quality holds in the spiritual path. It's very, very important to... To, to look at, and, at joy and to really practice deeply into this quality of joy. In a sense, it gives us the support for the other Brahma Viharas, the other immeasurables. And in particular, it gives the support for compassion. Because when we practice compassion, compassion really invites us to look at the quality of suffering. Right? Compassion is said to be the heart that trembles in the face of suffering. And joy is said to be the heart that trembles in the face of the lovely. So it's that same trembling of the heart. And so when we allow ourselves to experience joy, we have the, a nourished heart so that we can more easily and in a more balanced way, offer compassion to ourselves and to others. So, so this quality of joy, it's not to be overlooked, it's not to be minimalized, but it's really uh, the invitation is to honor this quality of joy. And, and when we do it, it's actually, you know, to, to kind of, you know, perhaps pun maybe a little bit, it's, it's a joy to practice these practices. <laughs> it feels good to practice joy. And so just to recognize that we can let go of that idea that this is something frivolous or you know, something that is secondary or not really necessary. Uh, once we let go of that idea to really embrace these practices uh, can be really rich and uh, a beautiful, beautiful practice. So I'd like to speak a little bit about what might block or shroud our experiences of joy. And so in the Buddhist tradition, these are considered to be the enemy qualities. And all of the Brahma Viharas have a, a, an enemy quality. And so the enemy qualities of joy, the near enemy, elation and ecstasy, and the far enemy, jealousy, envy, the inner critic, like that. And so just to speak to this a little bit, our near enemy, and it's considered to be the near enemy because it can feel a lot like joy. It kind of masquerades around like joy, right? When we're elated about some news we may have received or ecstatic about getting a new kitten <laughs> or whatever it is, you know, uh, the new relationship, the new job, whatever we're feeling ecstatic about, right? That can feel a lot like joy. So the difference is, is that these qualities of elation or, or ecstasy, they have this kind of heedless quality to them. That it's very challenging to be grounded in the present moment when we're up in the clouds, elated, right? And so we kind of, it, they inhibit our ability to relate to the present moment with mindfulness. And so the enemies, although despite the name enemy, they're not to be villainified. They're, they're actually normal, natural qualities of the human experience. And so once we recognize that, we can actually say, oh, I'm feeling elated right now. 
there's joy just around the corner. And so one way of working with elation and ecstasy is to recognize that it's kind of an over-energized state and to, to try to recalibrate from that. Taking a few really nice, long, deep breaths, kind of like the way we did when we opened today's offering with that meditation. Or feeling your feet on the ground or listening to the present moment is a great way of kind of balancing out that experience of over-energized. Or if you're near the seaside, listening to the ocean is a really nice way of bringing that sense of calm uh, back to your experience. And then there might be that joy right there. And so that can be a really nice entry point into that experience of joy. The far enemies are, you know, a little, a little bit uh, obvious in a way. Right? These are qualities that we all experience that are just so far from joy. Right? When we're feeling jealous towards somebody or envious, uh, there's very little access to that experience of boundless joy. It's very far from us at that point. Right? If, I, you know, if one of my uh, you know, very worthy constituents write a, writes a book on a similar topic that I've just written on and their book becomes a bestseller, it's very challenging for me to rejoice with that person, right? If I'm feeling this jealousy or envy, right? So that's one example of how that might arise and, and how when we can see that, maybe we can just let that go and connect with that person's success and really rejoice with that person. That's one way of cultivating that boundless joy. And the inner critic as well is, is a, one of those far enemies when we're really, you know, harsh with ourselves about whatever it is, berating ourselves, that quality of joy is, is very, very far away. Okay. So let's take a pause here. I've spoken quite a bit already. If there are any questions or comments or shares, anything coming into the chat room? Uh, Uh, I can share a question with you. Oh, please. So, <laughs> so, what would you say to the people out there who have a lot of inner struggle, like a lot people who have a lot of jealousy and envy, and their natural state at the moment is is that emotion and the inner critic, and it's bombarding them. For example, is that something that person needs to be dealt with through compassion practice and then moving on to joy because some what I can see happening is maybe a kind of internal fight or struggle happening but you're trying to push that away and no I should be practicing joy and then you start to <laughs> fight yeah. with yourself and berate yourself even more so how do we get around that struggle when such a great question thank you for that actually I was going to speak to that a little bit later but I can jump ahead it uh, let me um, mm -hmm. let me uh, adjust the slides accordingly. That's okay. Uh, yeah. Uh, so, so joy in the midst of difficulty is really, I think, you know. So yeah, we don't have to. We don't have to wait for life to be perfect, right? Or for our inner voices to settle before we start practicing with joy. Um, actually, you know, it's funny, your question reminded me of this really, really uh, profound moment that I was, that somebody shared with me, this video of um, America's Got Talent. And I think it's America's, it's one of those talent shows, maybe it was Britain's Got Talent, I don't remember which one. Uh, and it really, you know, so just to set, to, to explain that, because wisdom can be found in so many places that we don't expect it, right? Uh, so this talent show, this woman comes out on stage, she's rail thin. Maybe some of you know her, her name is uh, Nightbird. She goes by Nightbird. Um, you can find all of her stuff on YouTube. And so, and it just comes out to the judges are asking her questions about why she's there. And it, it comes out that she uh, has stage four cancer. Uh, and, you know, in really in, in bad shape with her illness. 
and uh, and then she she performs this really you know really beautiful song that she wrote herself, uh, not really having to do with her illness. It's about other things, uh, and they give her the golden buzzer because you know she's amazing and she's standing up there and and you know really in in the midst of some real struggle, right? Uh, and she says to the audience, you don't have to wait for life to be perfect to be happy. And uh, yeah, it's, uh, I wish I had the video here to share with everyone now because uh, it, 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 it speaks to exactly what you're saying. Yeah. That question that, that so often comes up with these practices. How can I practice joy when the inner critic is just railing? Or how can I practice joy when, when the world is struggling so much, right? And so there is, this, there is this meditation with these phrases that I have here on the screen. And perhaps since we're talking about that, I have two, there are two sets of phrases that are traditionally used to meditate with. Uh, joy in difficult times and joy in you know normal peaceful times like that let's say uh, so it can be done where we can practice and start to cultivate this experience of boundless joy even if our inner critic is quite turbulent or even if our our daily life has some struggle in it and that's the good news right because really, if our life was just struggle, I mean, who, who, could, who could really go through that, right? And so the, the, the task then becomes to, to recognize this cohabilitation of experience, right? That just because, you know, my leg is hurting doesn't mean I can't enjoy the sunset. Right? Or just because that voice of the inner critics is saying, telling me I should have done things differently yesterday doesn't mean I can't enjoy the talk that I'm offering. Right? And so once we start to recognize that there is this cohabilitation of experience, we, we can start to, to really bring our attention to what's good and to really be in that goodness. And there is a practice called, actually something that I offer sometimes called taking in the good, where we find what's good in our life and we really breathe that in very similarly to what we did with the generosity of the opening practice. We really breathe in what's good in our experience and send it out through our body. And then if we wish to send it out to the world as well, like that. The, in that type of practice, the larger we make the good feeling, the, the more it absorbs into our body. And there's actually neurological science about this, neuroplasticity, where, where we, we sit in a good feeling and really allow that to absorb into us. It allows the neurons to start to, uh, as they say, neurons that fire together, wire together. Right? So it allows those neurons to really begin to wire together so that we're more prone to the goodness of life. Now, I know I'm, I'm taking this really on a tangent here again, so I hope this is spoke, spoken to your question before I proceed, yeah. Yeah, no, that was great, thank you for elaborating. <laughs> yeah. Thank you for that. So I'll kind of go through that thread a little bit, and maybe we'll do a little bit of meditating on this. So when we're working with that taking in the good, oftentimes people think, oh, that's just, you know, seeing the world through rose-colored glasses. You know, it, that, you know, there's this term toxic positivity, right? So we're not kind of you know, I'm not subscribing to that. I'm not saying that we shouldn't recognize that there is, there is struggle in the world. There is suffering in the world, right? But the idea then is to, to begin to balance out our inherent negativity bias that we're all wired with, 
right? As part of the human condition, we're wired to, to seek what's harmful or threatening in our environment so that we can quickly eradicate it. So that we can, you know, so that we can move away from that and survive. It's a survival uh, pattern. And this has been happening in the human nervous system for you know, hundreds of thousands of years. You know, that we had to be able to, as one teacher likes to say, uh, recognize the sticks uh, the and, and, and recognize the carrots, right? And so be sensitive to the dangers so that we can move away from the danger. If we fail to recognize the danger just once, no more carrots, right? But if we miss, we miss our carrots one day, we can get a carrot the next day, right? If we miss a meal, if we miss something good, there's, there's a chance that we'll find the good the next day. But if we miss the danger, there's a very high likely uh, outcome to that, that no more goodness. <laughs> so we had to be wired in that way. And so by practicing really noticing what's good, experiencing the good, breathing it in, feeling that, we're kind of working to offset our inherent negativity bias so that we can experience the world in a more balanced, realistic way. That life isn't, you know, 90% suffering and 10% good, right? And we kind of know this from our own experience. If, if we do, you know, 20 things really well and one thing really poorly, for the next week, we're thinking about the one thing that we did really poorly, right? And so by meditating on what's good in life, meditating on joy, uh, we're working to offset that negativity bias. So perhaps before we do a, a practice around this, maybe I could offer a space for any other comments or questions that might have come in, if there are any. nothing at the moment. Okay, that's fine. So why don't we do a little practice with these phrases? Um, and so how this would work is that, uh, you know, we'll come into the present moment similarly to how we did in, in the opening practice. And then in the stillness of that meditation, rather than perhaps going into gratitude the way we did in the opening, offering these phrases of joy to our own heart. And really feeling into the implication of each phrase, you know, trying to perhaps visualize or imagine uh, what each phrase would be like if our life was to unfold in this way. So for example, the first phrase, may I be safe in the midst of this? What would that really feel like? So really inviting us to feel a sense of safety, of groundedness, of anchored, even in the midst of difficult times. Now, if you're doing this type of practice and you're not feeling a particularly difficult time, that's okay too. You can just feel into that quality of safety. And if, you're, if you don't feel anything particular at all and the phrase just kind of lands and there's nothing happening, that's okay. Remember, these practices are intention-led. And so just cultivating the intention of joy. We're planting the seeds in the heart. Okay, so I'll just offer a brief, maybe a 10 minute meditation on this, and then we'll uh, do a little more talking and then close now. So enjoy our practice of joy. And so the invitation here, again, just to find our way into the present moment, arrive. Perhaps arriving into the present moment by listening to the sounds of your environment. Sounds are always present moment experiences. And so 
allowing each sound to be a guide into the here and now. There might be quiet sounds or loud sounds. There might be sounds created by electronics or machinery or sounds created by nature, bird songs, crickets, rain, the sound of my voice. You might notice how each sound simply arrives into the present moment. There's no effort required. So one of the great aspects of meditating with sound is one can really rest. Simply noticing how sounds arise and stay for a while, and then they pass. And while we're resting here with the experience of sound, perhaps some silence as well, Noticing the contact points of the body, the feet against the ground or the floor, the body against the chair or cushion. You might notice the hands resting against the body or touching each other. Perhaps sensations of clothing against the back, shoulders. There may be sensations arising from the face and the head. We could continue arriving by taking a nice, long, deep breath. And just inviting the body, mind, and heart to settle. And so moving into this guided meditation, this practice of joy, offering these very precious gifts of joy, these phrases of joy to our own heart. Visualizing or imagining what our life would look and feel like if each phrase was completely reflective of our own life circumstance. May I be safe in the midst of this. May I find ease in the midst of this. May I know laughter in the midst of this.
may I rejoice in the midst of this. And so another way of cultivating joy is sharing. And in the spirit of generosity, we'll begin to offer these very precious phrases of joy to people we like, friends, family, loved ones. Pets. And if, if it's comfortable to visualize this group of people we like, that's fine, that's good. If not, that's fine. Just getting a feel for making this offering. May we be safe in the midst of this. May we find ease in the midst of this. May we know laughter in the midst of this. May we rejoice in the midst of this. Breathing, resting, feeling. And here, just taking a few moments to feel into any feelings of joy or warmth. Generosity or appreciation, happiness, relief, safety. Whatever arose for you during this guided meditation. I'm just taking a few moments to really feel into that quality. And in the next breath or two, I'll ring the bell and bring us back into a conversational space. So thank you for joining me. If some of you may have noticed, they're just started drilling outside. I'm just going to close the window very quickly. So that's not uh, intruding, uh, finding joy in the midst of loud sounds. <laughs>
Okay. Thank you for that. And thank you for joining me in that practice. Um, if anybody would like to share their experience about that, happy to hear uh, from anyone now, uh, uh, those of us who are here live. If there are any questions or comments, if not, it's fine too. Yeah, I've just allowed uh, any participants to unmute. So if you want to come forward and ask or make any comments, you can unmute yourself and speak directly to Chris. Otherwise you can type in the box and I can read it out for you. I did have some things hanging in the back of my mind, but after that meditation, I forgot them. Yeah. <laughs> that can happen sometimes, yeah. Well, you know, Yen and anyone else, if, if anyone has any questions after the session or if you're watching this back on video, always feel free to email me and I'll, I'll give my website information at the end of this. Um, but yeah, always feel free to email me with any comments or questions or concerns about this type of practice, anything that might come up. Uh, I'm, I check my messages much more often than I probably ought to. <laughs> uh, and I'm always, uh, I always love to get questions about practices and things like that. So feel free. Uh, yeah, I, I, I would like to maybe unpack a little bit about sure. Um, sure. the experience of joy itself when it arises, because I, I feel I'm trying to relate it to um, periods or you know moments in my life where I feel this sort of um, a blossoming open that can happen you know spontaneously and it, it can be quite spontaneous and un, unplanned and it I, I, I sort of wonder if it feels a lot like wonderment you know to, to suddenly sit and to fall into this place of silence or awareness of just pops out of your head <laughs> beyond the confines of your limited mind and suddenly you're like you know in this sort of wow I didn't notice that before you and it can be something tiny like I didn't notice how green the trees were today they're so green or suddenly I'm hearing the birds chirping and I haven't heard birds chirping for months you know and, it, and it's somehow related to the sense of you know and it's not like like you said it's not elation or ecstasy or pleasurable kind of bliss-like state it's a very deep kind of feeling of inner joy and peace so I feel like it has a lot more to do with falling into a, that state of inner peace and then that feeling of joy arises which is very grounded actually um, and, <laughs> yeah. and if you can elaborate more on the, on the personal experience you've had and, and yeah unpack a bit more about the experience of it like that was did sure. that sound like an experience of joy or absolutely <laughs> and i've actually uh, used those very same words and and developed practices around those types of experiences um uh using nature and the sounds of nature and finding joy in in what's here right now the green the grass the green of the grass the, for me, um, and this this is getting kind of uh, intertwined with the practices of gratitude. You know, finding gratitude in uh, the wind that blows through the trees. You know, or gratitude in, in the sun, or the rain if that's what's there. You know, and, and so the natural world can can really offer one this this uh, doorway into these experiences of boundless joy and yeah just like what you said it's it, it is often this sense of kind of coming out of a stillness you know, there's this real quality of anchoredness this stillness and this sense of awe this wonderment um the, yeah and in a way that is the the quality of boundless joy that we're pointing at it, that it's one. It's why these qualities are considered to be the Brahma Viharas. That they they in themselves create a path all the way up to the top of the mountain, if you will, to use that metaphor. That when we really embark on a practice of joy, it can really bring us to that sense of complete openness. That there is just this 
sense of awe and wonder in the world that's always available to us. Um, but it's shrouded by jealousy, envy, the far enemies, the near enemies. Really shrouded, one way to think of that is the, the, they get shrouded by, in the traditions, they're known as the hindrances. You know, our emotional reactivity to life. When we react to our experiences out of, you know, anger or fear or craving or desire or restlessness and worry or sloth and torpor, that's usually the one I tend to gravitate to where I just kind of want to go to sleep or zone out or, or doubt. Doubt is another one that that's, that's often shrouding our experience of joy. So once we can recognize those, and again, they're, they're not bad. We all have experiences of those all the time. I mean, not all the time, but we all have experiences of those more or less, you know, some more frequently than others, but they're there. And once we recognize that, oh, that's veiling this experience of joy, we kind of push back that curtain. Ah, I can experience the palm trees against the blue sky and take joy in that and really be with that. Or I can listening to the pur listen to the purring of the kitten and really allow that to flood the heart with this experience of joy. Yeah, I can even say like even in some challenging times or in times of uh, perceived negativity, I feel like there's also the potential to sort of pop out of the personal experience of that and experience it from a wider perspective as just the fluctuations of life. You know what I mean? And so seeing the joy and the struggle of life as in one bracket and and seeing what the wonder in that as well so I feel like in times of my life I've also popped out of my own bubble and seen the wonder and joy in my own suffering <laughs> at times you know yeah. Or, or yeah it's it's an interesting <laughs> yeah I, I I think yeah <laughs> <laughs> I think you know we're kind of in a way leaning back to some of the ground that that we covered on the compassion question where where it is you know and as I was saying, it's, it's the same trembling of the heart. When we're in the midst of struggle, our heart trembles in the face of that struggle. And when we're in the midst of loveliness, beauty, and happiness, our heart trembles. And it's that same trembling of the heart. And so it, when we can recognize that, that it is that same quality, our, our struggle can be a doorway into our joy. You know, that, that this too, this too is here. And, you know, the, I, I like the example, like several months ago, I had to have surgery. And, uh, you know, when I was recovering, I, I couldn't walk across my apartment to the bathroom, you know, and, but, but after a week I could, right? And I, was, I really took joy in the fact that I, I was mobile, you know, and, and it was like, yes, this too. You know, the body is healing now. This too is here. And there, there is opportunity to hold the struggle, the pain of life that we all experience. You know, none of us are ever live a life that's free from struggle. And to hold that joy at the same time. Yeah. Actually, I, I prepared some slides that talk to this. So you're well ahead in the end. Uh, but, and let me, let me just... I'll just show one of these. And if there are any questions uh, while I'm getting the slide prepared, please uh, raise your hand or tap that in. Wow. So thank you, guys. It was amazing. Amazing to see you and to feel this uh, experience. Thank you, and Michael. To feel this like, flow. Amazing, thank you. Thank you for that, Michael, I appreciate that. So th these are words that come from the Buddha himself, and then I have another poem after that that I'll share as well. Uh, live in joy and love, even among those who hate. Live in joy in health, even among the afflicted. Live in joy in peace, even among the troubled. 
Look within, be still, quiet the mind, tend to the heart, know the sweet joy of life itself. And I really like this. I, I find it, you know, really speaks to kind of where we were, what we were speaking to there, you know, finding that space of joy, of health, of peace in the midst of all of the struggles. You know, and, and in a way, you know, how much good is it when we allow ourselves to succumb to the struggles? Right? Then we're not much support to the neighbors who are struggling as well. Right? So, so the idea here is if we can cultivate this joy, we can offer that to those around us who, who might not be in a place where they can cultivate that. So it's just finding that ground that, as the Buddha says, to, to be still, to quiet the mind, to tend to the heart, to know that, know that stability and cultivate that seed, that sapling in the heart of joy so that we can be that joy for the others around us. And as we looked at in that meditation, there's even more joy in that sharing, in that offering to others. And so the poet Jack Gilbert, uh, this poem really speaks to that, I think, really, really beautifully as well. We deny our happiness and resist our satisfaction. We deny and trivialize their suffering and deprivation. We must have the stubbornness to enjoy the pleasures within, the furnace of the suffering of this world. To make injustice the only measure of our attention is to praise the devil. And I that last phrase really gets me. I really love that. To make injustice, the only measure of our attention is to praise the devil. So really, again, speaking to that quality, you know, that, that invitation uh, to, you know, in a way, it's a revolution, you know, to, 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 to have that braveness, that bravery to, to move forward into joy, uh, to not allow um, the suffering of the world to, to, to bring us into that, into the devil that is suffering, right? Uh, to hold that space of light and to be that beacon of light for, for others. And so with that, I think I'd like to close. I think that feels like a nice place to close. Unless there are any other comments, questions, shares, concerns. Yeah. I think we're good to go. <laughs> yeah, thank you very much. Thank you, Michael. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you everyone for, for being here, for your energy, for your time. And uh, enjoy the practices of joy. You can do the guided meditation that I offered. I'll also be um, sending a link to a podcast uh, guided meditation uh, uh, similar to the one we just did. Uh, so feel free to explore that. Also, there, there is an abundance of material on my website, and I'll just show that slide very quickly. Um, so, pardon me. And while Chris does that, I just want to say a big thank you to you, Chris, again, for giving up your time and energy for one tree. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I will be sharing all Chris's contact details and anything he wants to share on our group chats. So you can follow him up from there. Yeah, thank you so much Anne, for, for inviting me and for, for allowing me to offer these practices. Thank you. Yeah. Did you want to close for us, Chris? <laughs> I think that's it, yeah. Oh, right. So <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, yeah, I'll ring the bell to make it official then.
<laughs> and everyone, please have a lovely, joyous afternoon, evening, day, year, and uh, enjoy. Thank you. Thank you very much, everyone. And we will catch you all next week for Chris's final session. And it's all on equanimity next week, so before. Be sure to tune in and catch next week's chat. All right. Lots of love, everyone. See you next week. And see you tomorrow. <laughs> Bye. Thank you.